0: To another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 12, which is held post mortem. The episode aired on January 23rd, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago?
1: The space shuttle Atlantis returned safely after a 10 day mission to resupply the Mir space station in orbit. Beverly Hills Ninja, starring Chris Farley, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office Hello, My Childhood. <laughs> and Toni Braxton is still trying her best to repair the strongest muscle in our bodies, as Unbreak My Heart is still the number one song.
2: And as far as what else was on TV that night, uh, not much. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> at 8 p- A lot of reruns this week. Uh, 8 p.m., Friends checked in with a rerun at 8.30. The Single Guy was back with uh, Starting Over, a show that is... Um, not long for this world. We're coming up close to the end of The Single Guy. Oh, so. darn. Yeah. Uh, 9 o'clock, Seinfeld also checking in with a rerun. And then at 9.30, The Naked Truth, which uh, debuted last week, uh, checks in with the episode Woman Gets Plastered, Star Gets Even.
1: That sounds suspect.
2: Sounds sounds pleasant, right? Uh, this week's episode checks in with 35.1 million viewers, down just slightly from the 35.9 million from last week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Jackie Elaine Toberin. This is her first of two episodes that she would direct uh, over the course of the series. Uh, but she was also the show's editor for 105 episodes between 1995 and 2009, including the series finale. Hmm. So thought that was interesting. Uh, and then the episode is written by Carol Flint, doing her seventh out of 15 episodes. Previous ones of hers we've talked about this season include Union Station and Last Call.
0: And we get our previously on ER from Noah Wiley this time and I I, I have to ask why in God's name do they have, we have to do another two to three looks at the gore from Gant's face from last time why choice choice why?
2: selections for those highlights
0: just just just, just why folks uh, but we opened the episode with Carter heading up a, to a snowy L platform you know it's winter time in Chicago for sure uh, we're back at the Chicago purple brown line stop that we normally like to like to visit. Uh, he's standing on the platform in absolute silence while snow falls and sort of and sort of meditating on what happened again. And then we go into this conversation.
3: What happened? I guess that's the question. How could this awful, senseless thing happen? I mean, I, I've seen traumas from plenty of accidents since I started my training. But this was someone I knew. But you're convinced it was an accident, I guess. Have the police? I don't think
4: they've come to any conclusions. <laughs> Either he lost his balance and fell under the tracks, or he jumped.
3: I understand that you and uh, Dr. Gant were friends, roommates.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, we hadn't seen much of each other for the last month. Um, I had, um, I was seeing somebody, and I was staying. Over her place a lot.
4: Obviously, the uh, hospital is interested in finding out if anything could have been done to prevent this tragedy. You mean if it were a suicide? We're both aware of the complaint about Dr. Benton Dennis lodged on the day of his death. In your judgment, was this day unique in Dr. Gant's experience, or that he frequently felt he was treated unfairly.
3: We both complained but the hours, the residents. That's what I thought it was, venting. I know Dennis had bad days. We all do. But what I'm asking is, if anyone or
4: anything put undue pressure on Dr. Gantt, a policy, a teaching method, anything that seems, in retrospect, too harsh. I'll
3: have to think about that.
4: Dr Gant's father is arriving this afternoon to collect his things and uh, bring the body back home to uh, Atlanta. I hope you'll be able to accompany Mr Gant to the apartment.
0: Atlanta. <laughs>
2: right, that's my so spoilers already. There's going to be lots of pedantic stuff for me in this episode there's just a lot, but uh this was kind of the first one. Wasn't Gant from Louisiana? Like wasn't that wasn't that established when he I
0: thought so.
1: I, I could have sworn Al- Atlanta. So the Atlanta thing
2: threw me. Off. I mean, he definitely went to LSU. I know it's possible to go to school somewhere other than where you grew up, but blasphemy. But I just, I and it also doesn't check out either as we get uh, further into the episode when we meet Gant's father that he has a very clear Louisiana accent. So it's <laughs> like, it's just very strange. But yeah, lots of lots of pedantic stuff to come. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, heck of a note to start on.
1: The Google says originally from Atlanta, he went to LSU medical school.
2: So, right. okay. Uh, Smack down by the wiki.
0: But yeah, Bye. fucking Noah Wiley just starting us off on a heater. This is, this is his episode. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, this is absolutely his episode and he's absolutely set, setting the tone from. <laughs> the,
1: I can uh, leave right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Bye. Uh, for the, yeah, for this one, just in. In a very solemn way. Like it's it's a very somber episode and other S descriptions of <laughs> of depress of a depressing nature, but ugh God.
2: Really like you said, really kinda sets the tone for what the whole episode is gonna be like and, and this is one hundred percent Carter's episode, like he nails it in this one. Uh, so then as we head out of of Onspa's office we did note that the crack poster is back uh, it hasn't left. It's just moved. <laughs> it's uh, somebody somebody really liked that crack poster. Uh so it's found a new home outside of Antspa's office. Hey.
1: I think we've seen it there before.
2: It's been in a few different places. Yeah. I know I know one spot where it stays pretty consistently is in the waiting area. Maybe they uh, just
1: have several crack posters, but this one this one's one of the more prominent ones that we see regularly.
2: Yeah. There's another there's another shot later in the episode where Carter's in an elevator and he um as he, As he's in the elevator over his shoulder, there's a poster about not smoking when you're yes. pregnant, and then, as soon as the elevator door opens, the exact same poster is on the wall right outside <gasps> of the elevator doors, I'm so, <laughs> so they mad. clearly had multiples of all these posters, I'm and they so were just m- hanging so, them up,
1: so mad I missed it because I saw the one in the elevator, and I noticed yeah. it, but I didn't notice the one in the hall
2: yeah, so uh so then we we follow Carter from there uh out into the hallway where uh Dale and another med student uh, pop up to kind of talk about the current events, the goings on, and of course Dale is an asshole about it and makes Kurt Cobain joke, and then uh. wonders if they'll get shorter hours as a result. Dale really living up to that dark side shithead Carter uh, label. And uh, I just wanted to note too that this uh, the the other medical student in this scene is the other med student from the season premiere when we had that big group of med students that got introduced when Gant showed up um we noted at the time that most everybody other than gant was a one off except for one and we were like i guess they're going to bring her back at some point but i don't know how or why uh it's here so
0: is don't this know- her that. only other appearance then
2: yep this is her only other appearance which i i ad- both admire and question their diligence to go back and get the exact same actress from the season premiere who Probably no one remembered, and then bring her back and plop her down in this scene here for to be equally unmemorable. Like hey, was, just, we
1: would have noticed. Just to further guilt Carter and be like, oh, you were really close to him. Did you notice anything? Is he, was he okay? Like, yeah. lay it on thick, fam.
0: Yep. I don't think it's trying to guilt him. I think no, it's but trying it, to be inadv- like, oh my it, god, this is Narratively, no, though.
1: but yeah. it inadvertently guilt him. Yeah. I know yeah. she wasn't intending to, but... Um, And then we go down to the ER. We find out that there are two gunshot wound victims coming in. Um, We actually get a weird sequence here where we see them prepping the trauma rooms, which doesn't really happen that much these days. Like, it kind of had a blizzard feel where they're like, oh, shit, we have time to prepare for this.
3: Mm -hmm. And it looks
1: like Carrie's going to be running the traumas. Um, It's just a weird, calm, procedural feel to it as they get the rooms ready. And I want to note... This is the most egregious example of this, and the only time I am actually justified in saying this. But whose films are those? There is not a patient in there. Who They had time to prep the trauma rooms. Why are there still films on the board? Nobody's there. <laughs> Gang,
0: whose films are those? Filmgate 1997.
1: Uh, this, is, this is my beltless rant. I will die on this. Um, <laughs> and then Carter asks Benton if he'll speak at the memorial, which Benton brushes off. He doesn't really get a chance to answer because the gunshot victims come in. It's a bride and groom. And then we find out a surprise third victim is brought in and has to be set up in the hall with an abdominal gunshot wound. So they're brought in by Doris, our friend Doris.
0: And uh, we are in with some bangs. We miss you, Twinkles. And uh, (laughs) Carter is evaluating that third patient out in the hallway. uh, The best man says they got to the vows and the bride's ex shot them up. Yikes. Yikes. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, the the third patient crashes and they have to put him in trauma too, right next to Benton's trauma. With who is the groom?
2: I love Carter in that moment, though. I love that Carter finds his balls and it's yeah. just like he's like, I don't know, figure it out. And then Carter's like, All right, well, fuck you. I'll come in right next to your trauma and like it, it's just it's a good <laughs> good growth moment.
1: We got to use your transfuser. Um, yeah. and then we get Chuny and Mark in the cafeteria. <laughs> And they're actually really, really cute together. Like, it's really endearing. She's talking about how he got her roses. And um, it gets mentioned here that the nurses are doing a sick out because of some union disputes on their contracts. And she's like, are you sure it's okay that I told you? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. This is, it's, it's work, not pleasure. Fine. There's a line. Cool. <laughs> so that'll come into play. But how do we feel right here about Chuni and Mark now that we're actually seeing it happen?
0: I still don't buy it a hundred percent, but it's adorable for the. It, they, yeah. There's there's plenty of adorable moments, but I still don't buy it a hundred percent because they are two very different. So they are two very 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 different people. That's what
1: I kind of like about it. Is it's a really cute opposites attract fling.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Listeners, how do you feel about Chuni and Mark? I know they were a very dis- <laughs> I know they were a very divisive pairing back in the day.
0: And have you yourself ever dated someone just because they ride a motorcycle and you like motorcycles?
1: Nope, can't say I have. Yeah,
0: no. That was a rhetorical question for the folks at home. But... Too bad, I felt like
1: answering.
2: <laughs> so we go back from there, back to the trauma, where we find out that the groom has died. Uh, but we did note that, uh, one again, one of many technical notes in this episode, uh, we note that Peter does not change gloves when switching patients, which, you know, uh-huh. gross. Uh, and then as things are winding down in there, Carol asks Malik if he'll, he can pull it double, because a lot of the other nurses are calling in sick. And, of course, Malik is like... That's not gonna work for me fam sorry uh, and we also see Carter bringing up the memorial again to Benton and again Benton shoots it down it seems like Benton might not be willing to talk about his feelings. I don't know about you guys
1: hmm I'm shocked
0: well uh, we're gonna get a little more Carter and Benton here as they sort of went to go to a commercial break and then come out of it and, and uh, we are at uh, talking about or I'm not sure if it's commercial break but they're talk but we're up at, up in the on um, the surgical floor and they're talking about Gants death.
3: The uh, memorial service is going to be in the hospital chapel. You wouldn't need to say much. Just oh, forget it, Carter. I'm no public speaker. You know, there's still no official ruling on the cause of death. Mm-hmm. Dr. Anspa says the police are still talking to witnesses, so maybe they'll turn up
2: something. When did you speak to Anspar?
3: This morning. He called in all the blue team interns. Why? Why? You see how we're doing. See what we think might have happened. Why, were there any blue team interns on the L platform? Huh? I think he was wondering about Gant's state of mind these last couple of weeks, like all of us were. So did he call you guys in one at a time or all together? No, are at a time. Hasn't Ansible talked to you yet? Well, I'm actually uh, supposed to go talk to him, but I guess he needs to do a survey first. GSW to the abdomen. Who's on call?
0: Dr. Hex from one.
3: You know, I don't think anybody's blaming you. Why would they? Carter, did you finish your rounds this morning? Not yet.
4: All right, well, get to it. I can finish this up by myself.
0: Benton's doing great.
1: Yep, just fine.
0: Everything is fine. Nothing to see here, especially not feelings.
1: No, those don't exist. And is it just me or does Carter get asked several times in this episode if he's finished his goddamn rounds? (laughs) Like, I feel like that's a little through line that they do. Um, And I just have to note, Fashion Watch, I'm loving Carter's sweater and dress shirt combo today. It's good. It's classy. After Benton walks away, Carter looks down to his little mailbox and checks his box and sees that there's something in Gant's mailbox, and he opens it, and he finds Gantt's evaluation from Benton, and it's a 17 out of 30, and we can't see what the additional comments are. So here we're led to believe that he just got a rough review and no encouragement. Even we, in
0: HD, when we tried to pause it, we couldn't yeah, make out what's on that And And we, we don't
1: know if he saw this or not. The day of his accident, it's a mystery.
0: No, it just came in today.
1: We don't know yet. Oh,
0: we don't know yet. Okay, well, we find out later. Spoiler, sorry.
1: <laughs> it is not known yet if this had come in today or the day before, for Gant's injury.
0: All right,
2: so here's where I'm going to get real pedantic and stupid, and yes. <laughs> uh, we love it. And I'll 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 preface this by saying this is not Bull's tickets level of pedantic and stupid, um, but it is it is sort of like. So I'm a sucker for um, especially like now, like you said, with the benefit of HD and and being able to pause and rewind and stuff like I'm a sucker for when we can see the strings show a little bit and we can see how the sausage gets made uh, and how they kind of have to compromise on certain things. And this was one of them. So we go right out of that scene with Benton and Carter where they're standing in front of the surgical, uh, I guess scheduling desk i don't know what you would call that area Um, but they're standing in front of that talking and then benton walks off down a hallway and carter goes in the opposite direction and that's when he finds gant's evaluation in the box and they do this really tight close-up shot on carter's face as he's reading the evaluation and over his shoulder uh in the background it's out of focus but it's it's you can clearly make out kind of the overall look of the the place Um, There's a a pair of double wooden dark wood doors over his shoulder at the end of the hallway. And this becomes important as we head into our next scene. So the very next scene is Doug talking to a guy uh, from Psych. And as Doug and the Psych doc walk through, you notice that they are walking through the exact same area that Carter and Benton just left, but in reverse. So everything has been flipped. So Carter and Benton walked up from the area that Carter departs in, where the double doors are that I mentioned. Um, Doug and the psych doc are coming out of the area that Benton left into. Hmm. So they pass yeah. by the surgical desk. Uh, they pass by. If you look behind them, you'll see a pair of double doors that lead to an operating room. They pass by those. And they continue down the hallway with the camera facing towards Doug and the psych doc. So you can't see where what they're heading towards and eventually the camera catches up or they catch up to the camera and the psych doc punches in on a keypad that lets them into the uh mental health ward the mental health ward has as i mentioned a locked keypad door that is like a beige cream color so it's not the dark wood double doors that carter uh, that you could see over Carter's shoulder when he uh, looked at Gant's evaluation. So what that all means is that the close-up of Carter looking at Gant's evaluation was filmed somewhere else than the Carter and Benton two-shot from earlier, uh, and then they just spliced it in there. And the um, and that they reused the surgical floor to also double as the mental health ward, which I watched this episode with Nurse Jen, and I was like, would they ever put a hospital, would they ever put the surgical ward and the mental health ward on the exact same floor. And she was like, barring some sort of really crazy extenuating circumstance where like space was at an absolute premium. She's like, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. The mental health ward and the surgical floor would not be on the same floor. So I wish I could say that was the end of my pedantic shit for this episode, but it's not. But no, Daniel, but that's certainly lo- the biggest one.
1: I love the pedantic shit. Give me more. Feed it to me. Because <laughs>
0: I, I never would have noticed that.
1: Nope.
2: Yeah. If you go back and look, it's it's, you know. It's sort of clear. It certainly it it certainly shouldn't be clear to anyone with a functioning brain who's watching this like a normal person. But if you're doing it like me and pausing and rewinding ten times, uh, you'll see stuff like that. But
1: it's pandemic. We'll allow it.
2: Uh, hey, you know. Uh, so getting out of that, uh, going into what actually is happening in the scene, Doug is talking to the guy in-, in psych as they head into the mental health ward. We find out Charlie is on a seventy-two hour hold. And the uh, psych resident advises Doug against involving himself any further in, the, in Charlie's situation, which probably is a good idea. But as we'll see as the episode continues, that's not easy. But uh, we then go back down to the admit desk where we see the nurses uh, talking about the sick out or the pink flu, as they're calling it. And uh, as they're doing this, uh, Halei admonishes E-Ray. Close your ears, E-Ray. And E-Ray, with the line of the episode, I'm a union man as if I you needed him. as if you needed another reason to love e ray
1: so much uh
2: and uh e ray also mentions that chuny and mark have incompatible signs and uh i agree e ray even yeah. though i don't know anything about astrology
1: i i love it because he's like oh that'll never work and they're like oh no there's plenty of nurse doctor flings we've all been there and he goes no their signs aren't compatible like it's great
0: i know i'm a virgo that's all i know
1: yes you are i had to think about it for a second do you know what i am no, I'm a Gemini.
0: Astrology with Lauren here on setting the tone in the <laughs> retrospective. Uh, but after that, well, we're gonna have our next audio for you here in a second. But we want—I want to take a take a moment um, to to talk about this room because this room, folks, fucking mess. Uh, D- uh, Doug is visiting Charlie to do a neuro exam because obviously she's still roughed up, has a concussion, and whatnot. And okay, first off, her makeup and prosthetics are looking rough, but like in like. An impressive way, yeah. Like that could not have been comfortable for Kirsten Dunst to have on her face at at all. Uh, so props to her for you know acting as well as she does in this episode with all that all that stuff on her face. Um Second off, there's a sign by the door that lists their smoke break times,
2: <laughs> which Nurse Jen confirmed would not be a thing anymore. Like they, they even would- in '97. Well, no, she said maybe maybe in 97. She's like not anymore. She's like we well, don't take yeah, pa- not anymore, <laughs> She was like sure. she was like we don't take patients outside to smoke anymore. Like
0: no, that yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> um and third off, that room is fucking bleak as hell.
2: Yeah. It's also a disaster. Like it is as just as a set dressing. Like it's filled with all sorts of fun things that could be used to maim, injure or otherwise self-harm. Like Doug rolls up on this very portable, very easily swingable stool that, if you know, you have a psych patient in there who is in a crisis, could use to you know potentially
0: free themselves or yeah. you know <laughs> just. There was also an open electrical outlet that I noticed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, like, it's... and there was several other. There was several other things. As some, as I, as correct me if I'm wrong, as the only person in this one and this podcast who has ever been committed to a psych ward
2: can't say that i have no
0: yeah so i was just looking at this room because you know i'm trying to connect it with my own experience and i was just like jesus christ this is like club med compared to the room that i have <laughs> like she gets a clock we didn't get a clock in our room in our rooms i asked i even asked them why and they were like well we would have to put cages around them and we have had a pro- and we've had problems in the past with people trying to harm themselves.
1: Oh, because the glass or the plastic?
0: No, with with the cage by... We're getting dark here on Sighting the town and But Come. suffice it to say, she has a lot of stuff in her room, probably because she's not, like, actually a psych patient.
1: But, like... It's just a watch room, not a full yeah, ward.
0: Yeah, it's not like me. It's not like me who was there for actual uh, problems with, with depression. Um, Yeah, it's... Uh, all right. How about that audio clip? Yeah, let's go, to that. let's go to that audio clip. All right, sorry Sorry for getting so dark there, folks.
4: Any confusion?
3: Yeah. What year was it?
1: December 95, according to this hot magazine you gave me. Did you know Michael and Lisa Marie are splitting up?
4: Charlie, what was I supposed to do? Let you go back out on the street?
1: Like I hadn't been beaten worse when I lived at home.
4: You have any trouble seeing?
1: No. I get these little blobs. Mm-hmm.
4: Kind of blobs. Open your eye.
3: Dark spots, floating around. Mm
4: -hmm. You flash the light. Sometimes when you get a blow to the head, there's a danger of retinal detachment. We'll have to have an ophthalmologist take a look at it. Meantime, won't you lay back down, okay?
1: Just when I thought things couldn't get any more boring. Yep. If I go blind, can they still send me to the nut house?
4: It's not where you're going.
1: Oh, good. And just to jail.
4: You're going somewhere so you'll be safe.
1: I should have lied. Said I wasn't raped. That's why you locked me up.
4: You're on a hold for your own good.
1: Like it was my fault. I should just said it was sex. It's not like there's much of a difference. Like any of it matters. Don't let them put me in a hole. I
4: won't. Nobody's gonna hurt you.
1: So then we go to the lounge and Mark has surprised Chuni with a gift bike helmet. Says that they're going to need it to ride up to the UP in the summer. And she makes a joke about how he's planning ahead and he's what's wrong with planning ahead? And she goes, my last ten relationships. <laughs> Which I appreciate. I appreciate Chuni's sass. Been there. <laughs> uh, and Carol is frustrated because the nurses are treating her as a manager, not a fellow nurse. And then once um, Chuni leaves the room, Carol asks Mark how Susan is doing, insinuating that this is just a rebound. Oh, and Chuni point blank tells Carol that they're doing a sick out.
2: Yeah, which Carol knows, but
1: but I know, but to to say it point blank to your manager, I just feel like yeah.
2: This is the one thing about the Mark Chuni pairing that. I like is the fact that we get more insight into Chuni as a person. Yeah. Like we Chuni gets more screen time in this episode, probably than she has the rest of the series till now. So I, I enjoyed that. The The fact that we get to peek into her sense of humor and her personality a little bit more, but so going from there, we go into our next trauma. We get a, a frightening, uh, 2020 vibes coming off of this one. Uh, we get a guy who got sick in an airport shuttle has vomiting and diarrhea, we find out he just flew in from Paris, for, uh, but by way of West Africa first. Uh, so he has potential Ebola virus exposure. Uh, Mr. Hecht is the, uh, our patient. We we don't ever actually meet Mr. Hecht other than here on the gurney. But uh, And uh, Jeannie is going to stay with him while they pare down caregivers to a minimum and get a hold of an infectious disease doc. So, yeah. Big 2020 vibes off of this trauma here.
0: Aye, aye, aye. Um, then we go back up to the surgical floor again. Benton's, uh, Benton and Carter are talking. Benton will take Gant's patients. Um, Benton's actually pitching in instead of actually shoving stuff off on his interns. What? Uh, Carter says Morgan Stern informed him that the cops have ruled the death an accident, accident and asks if Benton agrees.
1: Can I say something here? Yeah. Because we don't see this on screen, part of me wondered if Carter was just making that up to get Benton to like fess up or share something with him. Possibly. Like, I know that's probably not what happened, but that's just what, what shadow Lauren was thinking about. Like, Oh, Carter's um, being crafty. My, it's likely that <laughs> it's likely that Morgan Stern found out, but my theory,
2: the, my theory as I was watching it was that they ruled it an accident so that his family could collect some kind of health insurance or a life insurance mm-hmm. or, you know, something of that nature. Like, Fair. I, I feel like that happens quite a bit in s- situations like that. They'll rule it an accident. So it's easier on the family.
0: Mm. Yeah, Benton says it's easier for everyone to believe that. So, uh, and Carter claps back by asking if that's what he believes, since he, since those two knew it, since those two knew him the best. And uh, Hicks comes by and asks Benton to accompany her to a surgery and invites Carter too.
2: First time we've seen Doctor Hicks this season.
1: I was so happy to see her.
2: I was I was really surprised. I was like I, I saw when she came up, like she my eyes lit up. I was like, "Hey, it's Doctor Hicks." And I was like, "When was the last time we saw her?" I was like, it "Had to have been earlier this season." And then I went and looked. It was like the second to last or third to last episode of last season. So it has been a while since we've seen yeah. her.
0: How many? How much more do we do we have of her?
2: Uh, I feel like we ask this every time she comes up. But I was it, gonna it's, say <laughs> it's it gets um, further, and further between. It's eight, it is the sec first or second episode of next season. Gotcha. And she is a Bob. She is one who will not get an ending. She will just be there one episode and then we will never see her again.
1: Dang it.
0: Listen in next year to our season four (laughs) recap as we give our in memoriam to Dr. Hicks as our one of our
1: Bobs. And then we go over to Doug arguing with Psych in DCFS because Charlie is being really uncooperative and not giving them any information about her family and doug's like of course she's not she's been abused like i don't know what you want me to do
2: and also in this scene we get our first appearance of the social worker we've had social workers on the show before but they've always they've to this point they've been kind of one-offs or like you know we've been like i think we've even remarked a couple times like is this the social worker the one that we know that shows up over and over again uh, and no, this is her uh, first appearance of social worker Adele Newman, uh, played by actress Erica Gimple, making her first of 19 appearances through 2003. I was very excited both to see her show up and to realize when I went and did the notes that uh, I did not miss her first appearance, that this was actually it. So
1: right. Good catch. Um, and then we have Jeannie meets Dr. Fisher from infectious disease. And oh, my God, it's this guy, <laughs> Daniel. Who is he?
2: He is actor Harry Lennox, uh, who you may recognize from things like Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs Superman, The Matrix, and The Blacklist. Uh, this is his first of six appearances on the show, and I have to imagine at some point when they get around to making the Obama biopic, that this guy will be uh, playing the forty fourth president. Oh, he's got
0: to be in the running. He's a, I'm gonna get a little.
2: He even talk like he even sounds like him. Like the whole time we were watching it, we were just like, "This is it- it's Obama." But- <laughs>
0: And I'm gonna get a little pedantic. He was not in The Matrix. He was in the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions as the so leader. The as Matrix the mili- series. And the as the military leader of the of the Zion army.
1: And I'm gonna get real obscure. I know him from Joss Whedon's ill fated show, Dalhouse.
0: Okay. Well. Yes, but he's not he's not in the Matrix, which is the best Who movie was of all he time. in
1: Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman? Uh
0: Man of Steel, he was the uh, army general okay. that Superman makes contact with, like that I think he's uh, the same character in both. Yeah, he's the same one in both. In Batman vs. Superman, he's uh, working with uh, Lois Lane. She's trying to uncover the secret behind those bullets. So she uh, she harasses him in the men's room.
1: Okay. And then um, we find out the patient was working in Gabon. Gabon? Gabon? I don't know. I forgot how it was pronounced.
0: In an African country.
1: Yes. We found out the patient was working in Gabon and i love this quote where genie's like should we should we be nervous should we blah 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 blah?" and he just goes i hear hoofbeats, but i haven't seen any zebras yet and i feel like this is a phrase we've heard before or will hear again and i cannot remember which it is but it's, i feel like this
2: uh, so <laughs> i've been listening i've been going back and listening to our season one episodes please uh, daniel as- inform me. my my holiday project has been uh putting together a best of season one episode but uh going back and listening to those i do recall a line something to the effect of like when you see uh when you see spots or when you see stripes think zebras uh not leopards or something to that effect like and i think it was div who said it back in season one but Uh, it's something
1: very similar something very similar
2: to that yes
0: uh and then after that uh we have our next audio for you it's uh that surgery that Hicks had invited had invited Benton and Carter to uh, they're talking about Gant's death so you know this will go well.
4: The graph is holding finally.
0: Let's close
4: Alright Two O 0 Proline on a double arm Carter suction. Come on two O 0 Proline Let's go. Let's wake up Old apartment's off today. Everyone's still in shock. Bobby. I'm sorry I didn't get to know Dr. Gantt better I was working with him Peter. No 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 it's too soon to say. More two O. He hadn't distinguished himself yet.
1: That's surprising, given his transcripts. He came to us with the highest recommendations.
4: Yeah,
3: well, maybe he was having adjustment problems.
1: So you noticed him struggling?
3: I don't think Gant was prepared to handle an urban trauma center. Then why did you give him a positive progress report? Sorry, you heard me. Why did you praise him for his improved technical skills and initiative? in his second review perhaps at another time no actually i gave that review to gant before he had some recent backsliding. Now i wasn't even aware that he received that evaluation or well, he hadn't it came today you can be sure that he never received any encouraging or supportive word from you
0: candy take over suction and New York excused dr carter
3: all he ever got from you was harping and criticism and now he's dead and you're gonna have to face it my apologies dr hicks
1: Dig that knife in!
0: Goddamn, Ooh. Carter. Whew. Remember? Remember I said that this was a goddamn Noah Wiley showcase episode? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All all uh, all honest, true things though. Like he's not wrong on any of that.
0: Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. And just you could just hear like that he wants to just burst out screaming and crying during that too. Mm-hmm. Like that's that that's uh i i love it i love it i love love this episode it's a great one
1: and i love how respectful he is though with dr hicks though where he's like i'm sorry dr hicks and leaves Mm because he's like he's like i don't want to be disruptive but this shit has to be said
2: yeah Mm. so good so we go out of there down to uh the ambulance bay where mark and chuny are walking in and we hear that mark has uh been sending chuny flowers and stuff and uh she she's like just slow down my guy like It's like, in my family, if a guy sends flowers two times in a week, the only thing next is conversion to Catholicism and seven kids.
1: I loved that.
2: (laughs) (sighs) Uh, And then we we go right out of that into uh, the interior, where we see Mark and Carol and Carrie discussing with uh, some hospital administrators the uh, nurse sick out, and they make the decision that the ER is going to close to trauma at three once all of the nurses are out, so sick out is on
0: things are going well uh, and then we go back up to ch- visit charlie the optometrist is working on her and it's another oh hey it's that guy who is that daniel
2: iqbal theba which i have the least amount of confidence of any name i've ever read that i'm saying it right <laughs> uh who has appeared in such things as glee the kite runner and transformers dark of the moon among many other things he had a lot of credits. i was to say, like
1: name. i'm trying to think he of like in community tra-
0: Community, thank you. That's You're where I, that's where I was remembering him from. I always
1: look through because I'm like, okay, half the time, yeah, that would be the big one for you, okay. Lizzie.
0: Uh but she told Doug, uh, she told him that Doug was her dad. Yikes! And
2: which is especially problematic yeah. because last episode she was screaming that he had raped her in the hallway. So <sighs>
0: yeah, super fun. Uh he wants her. He wants he wants her to stop lying to people. And Charlie asks why he doesn't have any kids, and we suddenly don't have. Doug's kid in the story anymore.
2: Pour one out for Doug's nameless, faceless son.
1: Yeah, yeah, like he doesn't even mention it,
2: and I don't think he ever will again. I think I think we are officially done with Doug's son. Like I think the the two mentions of him from earlier in the series are it. We will never hear about Doug's son ever again.
0: Yeah, but she's trying to get him to commit. She's uh, she's trying to get get him to commit to taking her uh, taking her in as his guard as her guardian. Um, and we found we find out we find Charlie's mom.
2: Hmm. Bet she'll be great, hmm. yeah, bet she'll just be a peach. hey, so we go from there down to the cafeteria where we see Carter running into a uh counsellor. A Dr. Pomerantz, another Oh Hey It's That Person, uh, actress Jamie Gertz playing Dr. Pomerantz, who you may recognize from such films as Twister, The Lost Boys, and Sixteen Candles, among many other things. I figured Lizzie uh, Twister would probably be the thing that would speak to you the most.
0: Bill Paxton's wife in that movie. Ah, fiancé. Fiancé, excuse me. I
1: dare you. Oh my god. (laughs) We've watched that how many times?
0: technically. Technically. Helen Hunt is his wife in that movie. Right. Because they aren't divorced yet.
1: You're right. And she's his fiance.
0: Technically. Anyway, she just wanted her lemonades. (laughs) And they got thrown off her truck.
2: Anyway,
1: I hate that I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> so, Doctor Pomerantz is available for counseling for those who knew Dennis, and uh, we also discover here, which feels a little bit like a breach of protocol, that she informs Carter that Gant was going to her for counseling when he first uh, arrived at County, uh, and says that he seemed okay at the time, uh, uh, but quit going. Uh, and Carter's Carter's all up in his feelings about. the the whole situation you know says maybe i feel guilty about the whole about all this because i am
0: (sighs) petition to give carter a hug granted okay
1: um and then from there we get carol giving a little orientation to the private nurses that are coming in for the sick out to help with just non-emergent cases around the er this can only go well nothing bad can happen from this right no no it's fine it's fine. It's It's fine. fine it's totally fine um and then we have Jeannie and Dr. Fisher coordinating for further tests. And it turns out that Dr. Fisher and Carrie knew each other. And after he walks away, um, Carrie says, Greg is wonderful. I should have thought of him for you earlier. As a doctor, his partner <laughs> died of HIV. Like, this this could be a good fit. He's got good knowledge for you. And
0: so now she doesn't have to go all the way out to Highland Park because everyone knows. Yeah. So. Exactly. Got nothing to hide. Yeah sure gotta save that gas money
2: <laughs> so then we go out of there into it this is spoilers this is my second big pedantic thing of the episode that only i would notice but uh I'm we very... we go out of this <laughs> we go out of this into a a very quick very nothing scene of doug and mark talking in the lounge and mark is uh or uh, doug is is getting some stuff out of his locker he's leaving and so technical note that I had noticed calling back to uh last call, which was episode four of the season uh this is episode eleven, so we're within seven episodes uh Doug's episode lo- twelve this is episode twelve, sorry, so yeah. eight episodes so technical note, Doug's locker has shifted over several spots to the left since last call, which I, I assume was a framing device or a framing issue. Um, so if you will recall in episode uh, four last call there's a scene where Doug is changing at his locker and uh, Mark comes in to confront him about his bringing in his date who died and you know all that and they have a a nice interaction there in that scene the camera is positioned inside of the locker looking out towards Doug and you can see over his shoulder the door to the lounge uh, where Mark comes in through and and, um, you know talks to him uh so now mark's or uh, doug's locker is directly across from the i can't tell if it's a cigarette machine or an ice machine but it's it's directly Why not both? yeah it's directly across from where his. so his locker has moved further in towards the wall uh away from the um uh, away from the door so, and, but his name is on the, if you look at the, the, uh, name tag on the locker door, it still says Ross. So it's not that he's using a different locker or that he's, <laughs> he's, you know, Bogart in somebody else's locker. Um, so I think it, what it was was just that in episode four, they just wanted the cool shot of looking out from the locker and Mark coming into the room. So they just moved Doug's locker down like three or four and then moved it back. So again, one of those things that only I would notice and only I would care about, but I noticed it. Daniel, so
1: I'm telling we you, love you. And this is why, this is why we have you. This is great.
0: (laughs) We go over to uh, Carter. He's sitting in the, he's sitting in the uh, waiting room chairs and Carol offers to get him a little treat from the vending machine as he's sitting there moping. Uh, And, you know, she's trying to, she's trying to be, I always forget these mixed up, sympathy or empathy.
1: Sympathetic. Because so okay, here let me let me do this, and then you can tell me what you're intending. <laughs> Sympathy is when you can't necessarily put yourself in someone's shoes, but you still want to be supportive.
0: That's the one I'm looking Empathy for. Empathy
1: is when you truly understand what they go yeah. they're going through.
0: So. Some English lessons here on saying the tone in ERs. AP English. You're getting you
1: get
2: all, all right. sorts of stuff on this episode.
1: Exactly. I am useless for anything related to ER, but give me any other trivial shit, and I'm here for you, fam. All right, just ask her
0: about World of Warcraft one day. She'll never shut up.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> Please uh, don't keep the
1: gremlin laughing. I will. <laughs> Whoever's editing this,
0: that's me. Um, so you know it's staying in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she's trying to, yeah. So she's trying to be sympathetic you know towards him and trying to make him feel better she says to him you know you couldn't have done anything to change it and Carter just very very sadly says back I know but I don't believe that Mm.
2: sad boy Carter
0: survivor's guilt is a hell of a drug my friends yeah
2: sure he is it sure is uh, we go right out of that into our next trauma uh, a homeless man dragging his friend and remember they are closed to trauma so the ambulance isn't bringing this one in uh, the homeless guy is bringing his friend in here had a dumpster dropped on him while napping in an alley uh, maybe don't be abusive to homeless people gang they got enough on their plate maybe uh, don't just torture them for shits and giggles uh, the only real notable bit here is the uh, homeless man who is bringing the patient in, not the patient himself, uh, is played. Even though you don't really get a super clear look at his face here, and he's also kind of um, dirtied up a little bit uh, to have the, the homeless look. Um, but he's played by a little bit of an oh-hey-its-that-guy, uh actor named Frederick Laney, who you might recognize from uh, Men in Black and The Dark Knight Rises.
1: Who was he in Men in Black? I'm going to keep asking you these dumb questions. in Black, it's that guy. In
2: Men in Black, if you will remember at the beginning of the uh, movie, when uh, Tommy Lee Jones and the other old guy who eventually mm-hmm. um, gets replaced by Will Smith uh, mm-hmm. are out in the desert, They're, the cops show up, and the thing explodes, and the cop has all the shit <gasps> oh. all over his face. Oh. That's this guy.
1: Okay. Okay, okay. Gas. Gas leak.
2: Yes, gas leak.
0: Yeah, gas. that guy.
1: I love that movie. Can we watch that soon? Soon. Thank you.
0: Um, and then we go over to our next audio clip after that. Uh, you know, Dr. Fisher is one of those people. I just want him to narrate my life. I love his voice so much. And we're going to play some of it for you. Him and Junior are studying the test results on the on the possible Ebola patient. Now
4: then, let's try the other slide.
0: Want to take a shot?
1: Sure.
0: Know what you're looking for?
1: They have hoop-shaped rings, like Saturn. Exactly. exactly.
4: You like astronomy.
1: Well, my fifth-grade science project was on comets, so I'm pretty much an expert.
4: You must be excited about the appearance of Hale Bopp. It's a comet that was just discovered, <laughs> just started Brighton this month.
1: Do you have your own telescope? Careful, you're gonna be
4: starting a whole new set of useless facts.
1: <laughs> I thought about getting my own telescope once, but can you see much with the city lights?
4: You should join me for a comet watch. I usually set up outside the Adler.
1: Yeah, I'd love to sometime.
4: How about tonight? It's supposed to be crystal clear, but bundled up the floor <laughs> like a chilly wind coming up the lake. 4 a.m.? It's only visible in the pre-dawn sky.
1: Mm. Hey, wait, look. I think I found some. Take a look. Am I right? They have rings, more than one?
4: Yeah, that's it. The asexual form of the parasite. It's plain old malaria.
1: Good news for Mr. Heck.
4: Chloroquine, 10 milligram IV, followed by 15 milligram drip.
1: Hey, you know, I'm usually awake at 4 a.m. anyway.
4: I'll bring the
2: coffee.
1: Great.
2: Oh, I bet you kids at home didn't know the 44th president of the United States made an appearance on ER for six episodes in 1997, but here we are.
1: (laughs) Gang, I have to tell you this. So we're listening to this clip, enjoying it, and Lizzie has our Zoom call in the background, so I'm only seeing our notes up. And all of a sudden in the background I just hear, It's Obama! (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, like, which one of us is watching a freaking youtube video while we're supposed to be recording like, it's especially and I, no, bad and and then i hear it again followed by daniel's giggling and i'm like oh okay it's us and we all oh uh, i can't it was, handle it It was
2: bad enough when i was watching it but like now that i all i can do is just like close my eyes and listen to it it's all but it, he sounds exactly like I, him
1: i'd never put the sound together until you screamed it on that clip and now i can't get it out of my ears
0: my gosh
1: mm. I needed that my face hurts. Oh
0: You've just had a lot of good laughs today. It's been
1: a great day for, <laughs> for content giggles. It's so bomb <laughs> <laughs> That's what got me was the was the scream. Oh okay. Um but yeah, they're really cute together.
0: Yes. They are I wish they would have ended up together. Me but too. as Daniel said, this is only his first of only six, six appearances.
1: Years. Which is tragic because he's perfect and perfect yeah. for her and I stand Dr. Fisher.
0: And who doesn't love astronomy?
1: I was about to make it a joke, but that was astrology, not astronomy, yeah, so gonna it wasn't going to work.
0: Astronomy.
1: Astronomy. No stars, stars and shit.
2: <laughs> a, a, a uniquely on-brand Lauren moment can can like flawlessly uh, illustrate the difference between sympathy and empathy, but struggles with the difference between astronomy and astrology. Like 100% Lauren brand <laughs> <Stop>. moment.
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't get my nap today. <laughs>
0: She's all cranky. It's fine, folks. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus. And it's my turn next. Hold on. I gotta get my life together. I'm, like, fucking giggle drunk over here. Let's <sighs> take us to <sighs> Okay, we're going back to our dumpster trauma with our homeless friend, Gil. Um, Carol is essentially herding cats during this trauma because all the nurses are useless and none of them know where anything is. And the um the friend that brought him in is hanging on Carter and screaming about how he failed his friend like you gotta do something you gotta do something come on what's like what's happening fix it fix it I I failed him Blah. and Carter just drags him out and screams at least you tried
2: little on the nose little little, little on the nose little, this one little much and picking up on our uh, critique of Benton from the beginning of the episode about not switching out his gloves between touching patients, I have to note here that uh, one of the nurse uh, nurses was still touching the patient when Weaver goes to shock him. So,
0: you know, Oops. these things happen. Oh, whoops, you have superpowers.
1: She's E-Ray. <laughs>
0: That's true. <laughs> a few minutes well, in the MRI in machine. MRI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stick him in the MRI
2: machine for a few minutes. It'll fix him right up
0: exactly uh, and then after that little outburst in the trauma room uh mark decides to check in with carter
3: i knew dennis was having a hard time i knew he was in trouble but i was too busy and i just didn't want to get dragged down i didn't listen you're in the middle of your first year of residency you're working at an inhuman pace. Why am I doing it again? Because you were trying to learn a job where lives are at stake. and didn't save Dennis's life, though, did I? You don't know that you could have. I know that I wasn't much of a friend.
1: Again, I just need to say how much we need more um, Mark and Carter together because these two are a fucking powerhouse
2: it's the soul i think of the show like when you when you hear these moments it's usually these type of like i i would say and i could be completely wrong about this but i would say that you don't get very many like casual or flippant interactions between carter and green Generally, when you right. do get those two on screen together, it's usually something like this, where it is, it's is—it's mm-hmm. very introspective about their both of their respective arcs and kind of the show as a whole, and uh, it's always good.
1: Yeah. Um, we then go to Carrie is helping Carol in disposing of all the sharps and cleaning up after Gil's time of death is pronounced and the trauma is finished, and we find out, as Carol is dealing with the infuser, that... She gave him the wrong blood. Type A, pl- A positive was on the infuser instead of the O negative that was hanging up next to it. Whoopsies. So she didn't check the label in the hubbub of running around. And that A positive was probably on there from the earlier trauma, if I had to guess.
2: Yeah, I think that's what she says, is that it was must have been on yeah. the infuser when they brought it in.
1: Yeah. So, Carol fucked up.
2: She sure did. But she immediately tells mark you know when he comes in you know sh- that she gave the wrong blood and you know mark and carrie both you know say that they've got her back that they're giving her an out not to have to file an incident report about it given how insane the trauma was and kind of the unspoken issue of the uh the sick out as well um but uh carol's not having it she's very mad at herself very upset with herself and uh kind of storms off and we'll we'll see the the follow-up to this here in a few minutes
0: For now we go up to the memorial that uh, Carter's up there and uh, Mr. Gant, we get to finally meet Mr. Gant uh, and uh, as he talks with Benton after the service. Thank you for
4: making the
3: arrangements, Dr.
4: Carter.
0: And the sentiments you expressed set just the right tone.
3: I want to apologize, Dr. Hicks, about what happened earlier in surgery.
0: You already did.
3: Did I miss it? Mr. Gantt, this is Dr. Benton, who you were asking about. Dr. Benton, this is Dennis Gantt, Sr. He was hoping to meet you. My uh, sympathies are with you and your family.
4: Thank you, doctor. I'm sorry I missed the service. Dennis' email gave me a sense of how demanding your schedules are. In fact, I had to admonish my son for taking time to write home at all. I didn't want him to neglect his workload. I know that Dennis greatly respected your work and looked up to you. Well, I'm afraid I was—I uh, was a bit tough on your, your son. Maybe uh, Dr. Carter filled you in. No, I haven't. You have to be tough. Life is. I wasn't entirely convinced that my boy should have chosen such an ambitious specialty. But I didn't raise a quitter. I hope he didn't disappoint you. No, your son worked very hard and i think he would have made an excellent surgeon
0: it's uh it's worth pointing out throughout all this as benton is saying nice things about gant carter is just like giving him the biggest death glare ever like in the background bullshit
2: yeah hey yeah
0: yeah like if they say that looks could kill benton would have been a nuclear gant. explosion at this point
2: mm-hmm. yeah and then uh mr gant senior here is uh another kind of oh hey it's that person uh actor played by an actor named john cothran who uh boy did i struggle with these uh credits in my notes here <laughs> uh what, what's even funnier is that i struggled with this particular name on my version of the notes and then made a corrected that error only to make a different error when putting it into our notes our collective you notes. pulled a lauren i did yeah because he appears in movies like yes man and rango and additionally what i wrote in my original notes as blake snake moan and i then corrected it to black snack moan so <laughs>
1: <laughs> i like black snack moan
2: black snake moan is the name of the movie uh, but yeah, he was in that, among other things, 117 credits uh, to his name and one hell of a Louisiana accent. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dennis Gant was from Atlanta the whole time. I don't buy
0: it. He could have been originally from Louisiana and then moved to Atlanta with his family. With, yeah, with his family. and Yeah. Just saying. It's plausible.
1: <sighs> yeah, that whole sequence just oof. Yeah, a little bit. He's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if my son had it in him.
2: Right. I, I feel like it gave a tiny bit of insight to into Gant's upbringing to where and the pressure, what, what might have this might have been a pattern that led up to what happened to him, but just very very subtle subtle uh, glimpse.
1: Oh, uh, this then one of the cutest moments of this whole episode. Carrie and Jeannie are talking about Jeannie's astronomy plans <laughs> with um with. Dr. Fisher and and Jeannie goes oh yeah and it made it easier to say yes since he's gay and Carrie's like you have a date with Greg Fisher and Jeannie's like no you said his partner died Greg Fisher is one of the most eligible heterosexuals (laughs) in Chicago which which is the most Carrie
2: Weaver way to phrase that sentence you could possibly imagine and
1: I love it but Carrie's like no go enjoy it Go have a date, go have fun, he's wonderful, you're wonderful. Go go be cute. And Jeannie is gonna cancel because he does not know that she's HIV positive. And God forbid Jeannie let herself have anything nice.
0: And uh we get Carol files her incident report when uh when the nurse when the administration comes down to tell her that the union blinked and uh they're wanting to waive any investigation. They basically just wanna sweep this under the rug because, you know, no one cares about homeless people. It's like, I'm sure if you had like a family.
1: That's exactly it. They're like, oh, he was a transient. Even better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Like, exactly.
2: Combined with the fact that they're like, we're the, even though, again, it's a hospital, like a county hospital, not a corporation, but still they're like, you know, the corporation won. Like we, we struck down those laborers, you know, yeah. like it's, Fuck it's, a, it's just a pretty <laughs> gross scene all the way around.
0: Fuck everything about this. Good on Carol, though, for trying to take own up to her mistake and take responsibility. <laughs> At least you tried. Exactly. Uh,
2: uh, speaking of gross, uh, we then go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we finally get to meet Charlie's mom, who corroborates the abuse history, and uh, Charlie is is still perpetuating this fantasy that Doug is going to be offered to be her guardian, and Charlie's mom is all too willing to go along with this. Um, mom is obviously like banana sandwich crazy and is just willing to give her kid up. Uh so Charlie's mom is exactly the peach that I suspected she would be when she first yep. uh, first was mentioned.
1: Yep. And when Doug says no, that's not what I said, Charlie immediately flips a switch and starts screaming at him and just completely opposite end of the spectrum.
2: Probably Kristen Dunce's <sighs> best work so far. That that whole scream yelling bit at the end there. Like you could see where the the uh the future in her you know you could see the the very famous actress deep down i mean at
1: this point she at this point she had already done interview with a vampire right
2: yeah i think this was probably her follow-up to that like and because this is 97 so that means she's five years off of spider-man which i feel like is where she really breaks out
1: yeah i love interview with the vampire um But then we go to Jeannie and Greg, Dr. Fisher, are going into Doc Magoo's after comet gazing at 4am and they didn't have any luck seeing the comets because the snow never stopped so they're both freezing cold and all jittery and um, they're talking about stars and the myths behind them and he kisses her as she's talking about it and it's so cute and I wish that this could have been a thing and I will never not be sad about it and she's... She's like, no, I did I did like it. That was that was great. But I'm HIV positive. And as she says it, his face falls so fast and the conversation comes to a screeching halt. And they just sit quietly with their cocoa. So sad.
0: But we get five more appearances of him though, so And I I feel like
2: though just from a character standpoint, like I feel like if anybody was gonna get it, it Mm -hmm. would be this guy. Like, yeah. what hope does she have if, like, the infectious disease doctor is still treating her like a pariah? Like,
1: Right. And I don't even know if he's necessarily treating her like a pariah. I think it's just more her discomfort is palpable, so it kind of causes him to pump the brakes a little bit.
2: Yeah, I don't know. He, he, it, to me, it seems like he goes from being super into her to the second she reveals she's HIV positive, he reacts as though she's radioactive. Mm. And it's just, like, it's kind of shitty
0: then we uh, move on to our last scene of the episode. Carter's on the L platform again, and Benton's there too. So they have they have some words.
3: I know I was hard on Cam, but I thought that was the best way for him to learn. And I don't blame you. No more than I blame myself. I just feel like I've been walking around with this secret, and you're the only person who knows it. And you won't admit to it. You know, a few years ago, I went to my uh,
2: high school reunion, North Lawndale. Jackie got it in the head. Now, it wasn't
4: much of a turnout. because half the class had dropped out. And I didn't know the others. You know, my parents tried to keep me away from bad influences. But here I am with them, you know? And uh, a third of the guys are in prison. And I bet another third are dead.
2: You know, you hear about this one and that one over the years. But this night, I'm just struck by the sheer numbers. I don't know
4: what to think of Gant's death. But Carter, I don't need you to tell me how I feel.
3: You want to go through this alone? You want to make this into something that, um, I don't know about? I guess you can. We'll both keep our distance. We'll both do our work. Sound like nothing happened. We're good at that. Look what that did for Dennis Gant. Damn.
0: Ugh. Mike dropped.
2: Is this the first? Do we think is this the first on the level conversation that Carter and Benton have ever had? Like where they are, they're ha- they are conversing as equals here.
0: Quite possibly. No, I mean they've had some other. I think. Sorry, go ahead. This is probably the most as people. They, I, I should clarify
2: our... as people, not as doctors. Obviously, you know okay, Carter still gonna say, like
0: they've had they've had like where they're equals like as doctors. Yeah, but I f-
2: like... I f- I feel like this might be the first example of them communicating as equals as people. Like they're not he, yeah. he, mm-hmm. Benton. Benton starts the conversation trying to still be Benton and still talk down to Carter, but I think by the end of it, they are very much on an equal playing field because Carter just rejects it outright. Carter's like, "No, fuck you. This is not a this is not a teaching." case like you're not gonna teach me something here like
1: yeah we're in this together i think this is almost unparalleled to the suicide episode in season one Mm -hmm. where carter does let benton tell him how to feel yeah and comfort him and everything and you know he kind of wants to almost do the same because like he felt it was his fault in season one here he's expecting that benton is feeling some of that guilt
2: mm-hmm.
1: now, and wants to give him a chance to talk about it. Yeah, let me be here for you. Let's talk about this. It can make us better doctors. It can make us better people. This doesn't have to happen again.
2: Yeah, it's so it, it's good. I mean, like I said, Carter is far and away MVP of this episode. Like Carter, Carter absolutely kills it this episode.
1: I'm sad Gant had to die for this moment to happen, but.
2: Yeah, that that's, that's interesting, too, though, that, that the, 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 bi- the episode with the big thing, like the big event, because that's unquestionably, like, the most dramatic moment of the season thus far, um, it's completely overshadowed by this episode. Like, mm-hmm. the last episode is, like, B-minus on a good day, I would say, like, C-plus, B-minus territory with, you know, a really shocking ending, but, like, this episode is, like, fully, like, right up there with one of the best of the season so far, so like it's it's interesting how that plays out like and i think that's something that you would see happen um several times throughout the course of the series where the event is not always the the headline like the event is the the it it takes a back seat sometimes to the fallout you know and Mm
1: -hmm. i'm thinking of another event this season that's going to be similar yeah
2: so really really good episode i enjoyed it thoroughly
1: but yeah, I would agree that this is definitely a solid episode. I'd give it a B plus, A minus. I would
0: give it a solid A. Honestly, there's there's really nothing I would cut out of here. Everything's everything feels relevant, even if it's not relevant to like the overall plot. But you know what I mean? There's
1: there's none of that weird out of tone. Yeah, no no shit. crazy
0: tonal shifts in this episode. They keep
2: it on a pretty even keel, and it does not feel like they. Short any of the storylines. Like I don't feel like anything. I don't feel like anything got less than what it deserved in this episode.
0: Yeah, and the lightness is a cute lightness with with Genie and Doctor Fisher
1: or chuny and Mark. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's it's lightheartedness versus like slapstick humor, which would not be. Which if there was like slapstick humor in this episode, I would say, what the fuck are you folks doing? Right.
2: Yeah, like like what they had last episode with the nurses going around in the wheelchairs and doing. You yeah, know, like that that that, that felt strange in that episode. It would have felt even worse in this
0: one. So, yeah. it was a nice we're saying goodbye to a character that we lost in a very tragic way and we're saying hello to some new to some new things yeah. going on around the ER. Yes.
2: Yeah, we're getting into a very exciting stretch of the season here. Like we're over, we're yes. over the halfway mark and, you know, we still have not hit my absolute favorite episode of the season yet. It's coming up very soon. But Don't
1: we say that every season that this is the point where we're like, yeah, it's happening? No, this this season's been firing for the
2: most. Yeah, we, we had a,
0: in a couple,
1: a
2: couple of misfires, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a little lull there for a bit, but we're we're fully out of the lull, I think, and we've pulled the nose up, and we are like all systems go for the rest of the season because I I we're also getting into the point now where my memories are starting to organize themselves, and I'm starting to realize what what beats are coming and when, and so that has me very excited for. What's to come for the rest of this season?
0: We're about to say hello there to one of our <laughs> <laughs> to one of the most memorable side uh, one-off yes. characters in an episode. Yes. yes. Ah, got it. I think that I think that is three episodes from now. I
2: think two or two three. or three. Yeah, two or three. Yeah,
1: it's getting close. Ah, mm. so excellent so Excellent. <laughs> I get it.
0: He is a bold one.
2: <laughs> Go on. How, how many of these rapper? can you squeeze into one outro?
1: Oh, Lizzie's going to put one in every episode for, until we hit it. You could even say he's the negotiator. Please, for the love of God, read us out.
0: <laughs> that's about, <laughs> Prequel memes aside, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Uh For only a dollar a month, you can get For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our casting crew interviews. Once our stretch goals are met, uh, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Saying the Tone Podcast. And we are at Saying the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Pulley Box Music. And, Danny, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y O e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial.
0: And Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: First off, I want to mention that our $5 patrons will also have the option of a Setting the Tone logo sticker uh, as yes. well. Uh, yes, thank you for reminding me. So those those are in limited supply, but if if you want one, those can happen too. I really like them. They turned out great. Um, but other than that, you can find me on my personal Instagram at Lobo92345 or on my baking Instagram at Lolo's Loaves. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as
0: well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of uh, Titanfall 2 with new episodes coming out of that, no, with new episodes out every Friday. You can find those videos and more at YouTube.com slash The Popular Court. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. <laughs>